السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his entire household To bless all his companions To bless every single one of us to grant us every form of goodness, to accept from us the fast that we have engaged in throughout the month, and to accept from us the standing in Salatul Taraweeh in the evenings, for indeed it is a great sacrifice. There are a few days left. In fact, tomorrow we will just be reading half a juz, and the following day half again. So basically we have heard the recitation of the entire Qur'an. It is very important for us to know that the previous nations have lost their book because they did not give the importance that was necessary to their books and because of other reasons. When it comes to the Qur'an, undisputedly there is one version on the whole globe. And the Qur'an, which is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belongs to every single one of us. We have the right to protect it and we should and we must and in fact it is our duty to protect it and to safeguard it. And for this reason, whenever there is a mistake that someone makes whilst reciting the Qur'an, it is the right of every single individual to correct that person. In fact, they should and they must. If they don't, they will be guilty of allowing an error to pass through the Qur'an and possibly even letting something that was not correct go by. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us to engage in this great act of worship known as correcting errors. And may Allah make us from amongst those who can do so in the correct manner. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say that those who have knowledge, and those who have intellect and wisdom should be the ones behind the imam. They should be the ones behind the imam. In case something goes wrong, they know what to do. And this is why right at the beginning of Ramadan, we called for those who are ulama and huffad to come closer to the front so that they can attend to errors. But alhamdulillah, we have passed the whole month and fadlum min Allahi wa ni'mah. What a great gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hafidh who is with me cannot see, but at the same time, memorizing the Quran through discs and through learning and repeating that, he comes here to fulfill salatul taraweeh next to perfect. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from all of us and to make this a means of our entry into Jannah and to make us from those who can sacrifice. For indeed, if we think we're doing a lot, there are others who are doing far more than us. This evening, inshallah, we will be speaking about what happened to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. We all know the Prophet Moses, may peace be upon him, he was with his people in what was known as a tih. Tih meaning the land of wandering. It was not even their land. They were, because they refused to enter Jerusalem with him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them by saying for 40 years, you will not enter any land and you will just wander on the earth. So every day they used to get up and start walking and they used to try. But by the end of the day, they were back where they started. And this lasted for 40 years. In the interim, Harun alayhi salatu was salam passed away during that time. And death came to Musa alayhi salam as well during that time. It is reported in a correct, authentic narration by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, when the angel of death came to Musa alayhi salatu wa sallam and told him, it's now your time to go, he gave him one slap. Allahu Akbar. 
So the angel of death went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a sahih, authentic narration. And he says, Ya Allah, you have sent me to take the life away from someone who doesn't want to go. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, go back and tell him that, O Musa, you will have as much life as when you put your hand on the back of an ox, the number of hairs that are under your hand. For each hair, we give you one year. Is that okay? So the angel of death went back and tells Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah says, you put your hand on the back of an ox, how many hairs come under that hand of yours? For every hair you have one year. Is it okay? So Musa alayhi salam says, and then what will happen? He says, and then death will come. He says, in that case, I'd rather go now. Subhanallah. And from this we learn, there was someone who asked me a question, can I give my body for science when I die? I want to donate my body to the science lab so that at least they can take some organs and maybe they can benefit someone and give them life. I asked them a question, how long is that life going to be? How many years are they going to live after they get your organ into their body? How many years? Another? Five? Ten? And after that? You see, this question is the same question asked by Musa alayhi salam. So sensible. If you are not prepared to die now, when are you going to be prepared to die? Allah says regarding the people of the book, You will find some of these people, the followers of Musa alayhi salam, you'll find some of these people, the people of the book, clinging to life more than anybody else. They will want to cling to life. Today on the globe, there are people who are paying to freeze their bodies into mortuaries and to wait until a day that science might discover how to give life back to that body. So they pay rental until their money is depleted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us common sense. We will not be able to run away from it. Let us prepare for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah speaks about the people of Banu Israel. After they got what they got and they went into a tea, we found that they worshipped the, some of them or the bulk of them worshipped the calf. And then when they were instructed to go into the city of Jerusalem and to fight the Jab- Jababira, those who were the tyrants within Jerusalem, they refused to go. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَشَّقَّقُ فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ الْمَاءِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَهْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah says, Then your hearts became hardened after that, so they became as hard as rock, and even harder than rock. Which means when the heart is hardened, it becomes so hard that it does not incline towards what is right. It does not soften for the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why one of the worst punishments that can be meted out to a person is al-qalbul qasi. To have a hard heart where someone comes to you with the words of Allah, but they don't shake you. They don't make your hairs stand. Someone tells you, Allahu, Allah has said this in the Quran, and you just look away and your heart is as hard as ever. 
And someone tells you the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said this, your heart is as hard as ever. And you say, no ways, I'm still going to carry on in my own ways and habits. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Someone tells you this is the law of sharia regarding inheritance. And we say to hell with it, I know what I have done, I've got my own money. And someone tells you, may Allah safeguard us, this is the law regarding child custody. And this is the law regarding access to children and what have you. We say, no, I know what I'm doing. I need to fix these people up because they did me very wrong. And this is the type of statement that is uttered by people. That is a hard heart. A hard heart is a sign of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam made a dua against Fir'aun. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam says, Washdud ala qulubihim. Ya Allah, tie up their hearts. Seal their hearts now because I would like them to see the punishment. They will not turn until they see it. So they saw the punishment. So we know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to soften our hearts. A sign of iman is when the hearts are softened. And Allah says, The hearts of yours have become hard as rock. And even harder than rock, because from amongst the rock, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ From the rock, there are those rocks that explode, and water gushes out of these rocks. You know at the time of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he struck the rock, and what happened? Springs gushed from that rock. So Allah is saying, look, you've seen that springs are gushing from the rock. وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَشَّقَّقُ فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ الْمَاءِ And there are some, if you were to split them, you would find water. Sometimes you drill through a rock, you find water. Allahu Akbar. So Allah says, you can still find that softness in the rock. And Allah says, there are some rocks that drop from the top because of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they engage in acts of worship. They fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet the hearts of man sometimes are worse than rock. May Allah safeguard us. So these verses are very important that we uttered them because... These people continued to harass Musa alayhi salam. We did not mention everything because we don't have the time to go through every single detail. But even when Musa alayhi salatu wasalam passed away, they were still wondering as a punishment for what they had done. What did they do? They worshipped the calf, they went against the messenger, they defied him and they did not enter Jerusalem when they were instructed to go in. So Allah says, for you now is to remain outside. Until after Musa alayhi salatu wasalam passed away, now one might ask, why did Musa alayhi salam want to prolong his life? What was the reason? Very simple. He really wanted to see the victory of Jerusalem. So he wanted to prolong his life so that he could enter that territory that was promised to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when he realized that this is the decree of Allah, he said, we don't want to contest it. For your information, when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam went through what is known as al-Isra from Makkah al-Mukarramah, Right through to Baytul Maqdis, he says, I came across the grave of my brother Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Under a red hill on the side of the road, if you take me there, I will show it to you now. Subhanallah. So where exactly is that grave? I don't know, you don't know. It is a sandy red hill. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam describes it in the hadith of Isra. And he says, I went through, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam was engaging in salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. That is also an authentic narration from the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, after Musa alayhi salam, Allah appointed a nabi, a prophet. Who was that prophet? 
A lot of the ulama are of the opinion that it was the young boy who accompanied him when they went to meet Al-Khidr. There was a young boy who was holding the bag with a fish, the basket, with a lunch. His name was Yusha ibn Noon. In the English language, Joshua. May peace be upon him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us peace as well. So this man was also a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he was the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permitted to enter Baytul Maqdis, to enter Jerusalem at the time that promised land. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made sure that with Yusha ibn Nun, nobody from amongst those who worshipped the calf were in his army, not one of them. So in 40 years, there was a change of generation. The whole generation changed and now with the new generation, new people who were brought up under the eye of Musa alayhi salam and under the instruction of the pious, although they were also quite stubborn and they also had the traits of their fathers and so on, but they were a new generation who were not under Fir'aun. As what we would say, born free. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deeper understanding. So Yusha ibn Nun prepared the army and it is reported that he went in with this army. The hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Yusha ibn Nun in, spoke to the sun because now when they were outside this place and they had surrounded this place which was very very difficult and there was a short time left for them to have victory and the sun was about to set. So he tells the sun, addressing the sun that Allah has instructed me and Allah has instructed you and I am telling you for the instruction that Allah has given me you will stop at this point for a while. And Allah heard it and Allah instructed the son to stop. So it is reported, and this is again an authentic narration of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is reported that that was one day when the sun, as it was setting, it just paused. Exactly how that happened, only Allah knows. And the people who were there know. And then when he achieved victory, the sun set. Subhanallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the trembling of our hearts and to soften our hearts towards him. Thereafter we have Yusha ibn Nun remained for a while and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him away as well. Banu Israel remained in that area but they had a problem. What was the problem? Constant wars, constant fighting, two types of fighting. Fighting the external enemy and fighting internally. Internally because they were 12 groups. So they considered the children of Binyamin slightly inferior. Why? Because he was a stepbrother. If you recall, Jacob had 12 children, two of them were step, and the other 10 were all from another mother. So these 10, they became powerful people and so on. When it comes to Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and his brother Binyamin, they were treated differently. As for Yusuf, he became the king of Egypt. So that was an exception. But as for Binyamin, they did not look at his progeny with that amount of respect. And they were constant skirmishes, as well as the skirmishes with the others. The Jababira, those who were tyrants, those who were people, rulers, and those who had skirmishes with them within Jerusalem and around. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He sent to them some other messengers and inshallah we will get to that. But from amongst these who were sent to Banu Israel, there is one known as Hizqil. Hizqil, whether he was actually a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a very pious man, there is difference of opinion, but we will say, may Allah's peace be upon him. His story is that at the time of Yusha ibn Nun, there was a plague. And there were certain people who tried to flee from the plague. They ran away from that plague and they were in their thousands. Allah makes mention of this in the Quran. 
ألم تر إلى الذين خرجوا من ديارهم وهم ألوف حذر الموت Do you see those who ran away in their thousands fearing death because there was a plague where they were so they were fearing death and they ran away Where did they go? The top of the mountain, a plateau and they settled there for a while and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the angel of death to cause their death فَقَالَ لَهُمُ اللَّهُ مُوتُ Allah told them, all of them should die. They were running away from death. Allah can cause death without anything. Nothing. Allah can just instruct the angel of death to take the soul out. Gone. We normally blame something, heart attack, car accident. All that is a sign of mercy of Allah. Allah is too merciful to take us away suddenly with nothing wrong. So Allah says, hang on, I'll give you something to blame. You can blame something. Blame it on a heart attack. Blame it on bad eating habits. Blame it on fast driving. Blame it on an armed robber. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us good lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us away in a condition that He is pleased with us. So his keel was passing this place and he'd seen a town which seemed like there was nothing wrong with it. No punishment had overcome it. No one... There was no one there besides some bones, but the destruction, how did it come? Everybody died all at once. And as he was watching, Allah says, and this is in a narration, obviously this is now a Hebrew narration, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, would you like to see these people come back to life? And indeed, he wanted to see it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ أَحْيَاهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُوْ فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ And then Allah gave them life. And this man was watching. He's seeing the bones come together. He's seeing how thereafter the flesh is coming on the bones. And the people were back. And they started walking and everything back to their day-to-day lives as though nothing had happened. And Allah says, Allah is very, very bountiful upon people. He bestows them with so many gifts. But many people are not grateful. Ingratitude. May Allah make us from those who can appreciate our gifts. Do you know, to sit and ponder over the gifts of Allah, the positives that Allah has given you, to sit and think about them is a great act of worship. Because only through understanding what Allah has blessed you with, will you be able to thank Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that gratitude at all times. So that was the Prophet Hizqil. As I say, there is difference of opinion as to whether he was a prophet or a pious man. The same applies to another prophet or a pious man known as Uzair. Very interesting story regarding Uzair. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, أَوْ كَالَّذِي مَرَّ عَلَىٰ قَرْيَةٍ وَهِيَ خَاوِيَةٌ عَلَىٰ عُرُوشِهَا قَالَ أَنَّا يُحْيِي هَذِهِ اللَّهُ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا He passed a town similar to his qid, but he passed another town altogether. And he had seen that it was destroyed. And he asked a question, how is Allah going to resurrect this not in that he was defying, but he was inquisitive. He wanted to know, how will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrect this? And how will he bring it back to life? So Allah says, اللَّهُ ثُمَّ Allah caused him to die for 100 years. 100 years. This man who was a very pious man in the least, and possibly even a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this man was caused to die for 100 whole years. Then Allah resurrected him after 100 years. And Allah asked him a question. How much did you live? 
Obviously, this is not direct speech with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but through revelation or through inspiration or through the Prophet, or sorry, through the messenger, meaning the angel. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not speak to him directly. He says, I've rested only for a day or part of a day. Allah says, imagine a hundred years had gone by, and he says, I've only rested for a day or part of a day. Look in our lives. When you do not sleep at night, suffering insomnia, you toss and turn and toss and turn. The minute your eye closes, in one minute it's already Fajr. Allahu Akbar. Have we seen that? Before you know it, it's Fajr. So this is the gift of Allah upon us. Imagine if we had to feel how long it was. May Allah protect us. People would be up in about 10 minutes and say, oh, I've slept enough. But it's a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you are sleeping, for some reason, nobody can explain it, but time flies. To this day, nobody can explain sleep exactly how it happens and the condition of the soul and so on. No medicine, no science, nothing can explain it precisely. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone knows what sleep is all about. And even another issue that nobody can explain is a dream. One man is dreaming of beauty and the gardens of Jannah and the one right next to him is in hell, sweating. But this one cannot feel the fire of the other one and that one cannot drink from the water in the other man's dream. Amazing. And yet they are sleeping right next to each other possibly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to ponder over these things because this is a sign of the greatness of the Rabb, the Creator. Imagine, we can't even explain dreams. We can't explain them. People might tell you a thing or two, but they will never be able to conclusively convince you that this is what it is. Allahu Akbar. So Allah says, we granted this man we resurrection after he was dead for a hundred years. We asked him the question. He says, I remained for maybe a day or part of a day. Allah says, in, in fact, you have been for 100 years in that condition. Take a look at your food and your drink. It has not yet become stale. It's as fresh as it was. But we want to show you something else. So he takes a look at his, his drink and his food. It's very fresh. As it was the day he went off. The day he was given death by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, now look at something else. To prove now how long you've been sleeping. How long you've been literally dead for. وَانظُرْ إِلَىٰ حِمَارِكَ وَلِنَجْعَلَكَ آيَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَانظُرْ إِلَىٰ الْعِظَامِ كَيْفَ نُنْشِزُهَا ثُمَّ نَكْسُوهَا لَحْمًا Allah says, now look at the donkey on the other side. Look at it. It's only bones. It's only bones. But watch how we will bring it back to life. And he's watching. And Allah says, look at how we put the bones all coming together. The bones began to come together. And look at how we've clothed it with flesh. And it's clothed with flesh once again. That's his donkey once again. When he saw this clearly, he says, I declare and I know sound knowledge. I have now seen with my eye. Allah is definitely able and capable to do anything. Nothing is impossible for Allah. Everything that people call impossible in the eyes of Allah, it is simple and straightforward. Very easy. So there's nothing impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Now the same man, he went back, this Uzair, he went back and his people were now in doubt. Who is this man? They had all passed away. There was a new generation. Besides a few, the young were still alive, but many of them did not recognize him. They didn't know who he was. His own children did not recognize him initially. There was one old lady beyond a hundred years old. It is reported 120. And this again has come to us from a Hebrew narration. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fact we are, we are told in this narration that they asked her, do you know this man known as Uzair? She says, yes. He was a pious man, saintly man, so on and so forth. And all the duas he made were accepted. But she was blind. They brought him in front. She couldn't see. She says, but wait. If he is the same Uzair, he was mustajabu da'wah. Every dua he made was accepted. So tell him to make a dua that my eyesight is restored. So Uzair makes a dua. May the eyesight of this woman be restored. It was restored by the gift of Allah subhanahu When it was restored, she looks at him and she says, Indeed, this is the man. This is the same Uzair. When they went to the children, the children said, There is a mark from which we will recognize our father. He had a mark on his body somewhere. And they recognized him and said, Indeed, this is the man. Now he became a hit. Subhanallah. The Jewish people started saying, This is the son of God. They started saying he is the son of God. And what happened? By that time they had lost the Torah. Because of their fighting and warring and so on and pulling and pushing and shoving and what have you, they lost the Torah. He was the only man who had memorized the Torah. So he re-dictated the entire Torah at that stage. Now Allah says in the Quran, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ عُزَيْرٌ بْنُ اللَّهِ وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ اللَّهِ the Jewish people, on one hand, they were saying Uzair is the son of Allah. And the Christians are saying that Jesus is the son of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Now, we see why they say that he was the son of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, na'udhu billah. May Allah safeguard us. What a great blasphemy. Because of a few miracles that occurred on his hands. And this is also a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there was something that they used to keep. When Musa alayhi salam was passing away, he gave a certain little box known as a tabut. It was a box, the Ark of the Covenant. He had given it to Yusha ibn Nun. And every time in it were some of the fragments of the tablets upon which the Ten Commandments were written and a few items inside there. We don't know exactly what there is dispute as to what it was, but for sure it was a reassurance and a comfort to the people who had it. And when they opened it, they felt very secure, they felt very calm. And every time they fought, they took that ark with them. And when they fought, they won the battle. Whenever the ark was with them, in it, it had the tablets that were given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Musa alayhi salam. But they were fragmented. Some narrations say that when he came back and he wanted to hold his brother Harun from the head and the, the beard and he, he put the covenant down, it, it fragmented into pieces. But Allah knows exactly how it broke. At that particular time, they had it in this tabut. So this tabut, at a certain time, it was lost. And how exactly was it lost? It is reported that when there was a war between the people of Asqalan and the people of Gaza, Against these people, the Banu Israel or the Jewish people, 
it is reported that at that stage there was so much disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, disobedience of their leaders, disobedience of their prophets, disobedience of those who were the kings from amongst them, that that taboo disappeared. They blamed these people for stealing it. It disappeared and they lost the war. When the king of the time heard it, this again is from the narrations of Israeliyat, when the king of the time heard it, he died on the spot. He took the news, he died on the spot. And from that time, they did not have a king. They didn't have a king. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them messengers after messengers, but they were trying to look for this taboot. Where is the taboot? Now what happened to it? Did Allah take it up? Only Allah knows. Or did those people take it? Only Allah knows. But later on, listen to what happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الْمَلَأِ مِن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِن بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ Do you see the chiefs? The chiefs after Musa alayhi salatu wasalam from amongst Banu Israel, they told their Nabi. Now the name of the Nabi, what was his name? It is reported that his name was Samuel. May peace be upon him. There are different narrations of how exactly that name is. Samu'il, according to some narrations. But in the biblical scriptures, it is the name is Samuel. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's peace be upon him. He was one of the prophets sent by Allah to Banu Israel. And Allah mentions in the Quran without the name, but Allah says, إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيٍّ لَهُمْ إِبْعَثْ لَنَا مَلِكًا نُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They told the Nabi that please ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to appoint a king over us. We now want a king. That king had died. We now need a new king. And that king, if he comes, we'll be able to fight once again for our land and we'll be able to fight for our place. Look at how they were cursed because they did not enter the land the first time with the Prophet Moses, may peace be upon him. Allah says, now we've cursed them. Now they don't have a land. They don't have a land that belongs to them. And if they had it, it was only for pockets of time. So now what had happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Nabi who is Samuel, may peace be upon him, tells his people, He knows how difficult these people were. He says, there is a possibility and a chance that you people, if fighting is written for you, you might not even fight. That's what you did to the Prophet Moses before. May peace be upon Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. That when he instructed you to fight, you didn't fight. So maybe if another king comes, you won't fight. So then they responded, وَمَا لَنَا أَلَّا نُقَاتِلَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ أُخْرِجْنَا مِنْ دِيَارِنَا وَأَبْنَائِنَا How is it that we are not going to fight when we've been driven out of our land, out of our property, us and our own children? We've been driven out, we need to fight to get it back. Which means the land was taken from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقِتَالُ تَوَلَّوْا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِّنْهُمْ Later on, when we prescribed war for them, they didn't fight besides just a handful of them. They still refused to fight. Now Allah is giving us the detail of how they refused to fight. Let's take a look at it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ طَالُوتَ مَلِكًا their Prophet told them that Allah has appointed a man as a king over you. His name is Saul, Talut. May peace be upon him. In fact, he was a king. So he was a man who was from Banu Israel, not a Nabi. Talut was a king appointed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
through revelation to the Prophet Samuel, may peace be upon him, that this must be the king of the people of Banu Israel. So the king came in, and now when he was appointed by Allah, these people rejected his appointment to start with. What did they say? He's not from our race, number one. Number two is he's not wealthy. He's not from amongst the people who are rich. Allahu Akbar. قَالُوا أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا وَنَحْنُ أَحَقُّ بِالْمُلْكِ مِنْهُ وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ سَعَةً مِنَ الْمَالِ They said, how can he be appointed a king over us? When he's not even from our tribe, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, bin Yamin. You see, he's from another one. He's not from the top tribes here. And he doesn't even have that much wealth. How? Today, when we appoint our leaders, take a look. They have to be wealthy because without wealth you cannot campaign for elections. You have a poor man who wants to campaign. He, he depends on someone who's going to dish him money to put up an advert to start with. Allah protect us. And then we want to say, everything is fair, everything is okay. Well, where did we get the money from? A man on the street, where is he going to get the money from? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. This is the same system at the time of these people. They began to say, he doesn't have money. How can he be a leader? And he is from a different type of people. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded. For the ignorance of man and for the benefit of every one of us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ وَاللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مُلْكَهُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah has chosen him above you and he has granted him more than you knowledge and physical strength. So Talut was a strong man and he was very, very knowledgeable. Allah says we gave him knowledge, we gave him physical strength. And Allah gives the kingdom to whomsoever he wishes because he is the owner. And Allah says, Wallahu wasi'un alim. Allah's knowledge is definitely broad. Allah encompasses absolutely everything with his knowledge. So he knows what is good for you. Sometimes we have a man who's weak, who comes to us and corrects us. He leads us, whether it is an imam or a shaykh or somebody who wants to correct us. And we think to ourselves, this man is a beggar. This man is a black man. This man is an orange man. This man is that man. This man does not have money and so on. Wallahi, if the message comes to us, inshallah, even from a beggar on the street, for as long as it is a correct and upright message, we need to learn a lesson from this. Allah chose him, whoever he was, as poor as he might have been, from whatever clan he might have been, to come and to stand as a witness against us on the day of Qiyamah. Ya Allah, I told this man that this was right and this was wrong. And this was his reaction. And Allah will question us and question him. So this is something we learn also from here. Never ever take for granted the messages that get to you. I always say, مَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُلْ لِيُخْطِئَكَ Hadith Whatever got to you was never meant to miss you. That also means whatever message got to your ear was never meant to miss your ear. And you are responsible what you did about it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then after that they agreed, okay, this is our king and so on. And now they had a problem. Talut was faced with a large number of people. It is reported that they were almost 80,000 and they were joining his army. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمَّا فَصَلَ طَالُوتُ بِالْجُنُودِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرِ He was very intelligent. 
When he left with his army, he knew that from amongst these there are cowards. There are people who won't follow the instructions of the leader. They want to do their own thing. So he told them, Allah is testing you with a river. It was a hot day, they were hungry, they were tested. Allah says, do not drink from this river. Whoever drinks from it, he cannot be in my army. And whoever does not drink from it will join me. They will be from amongst me and my army. But the only amount you are allowed to drink is if you take a little handful and quickly drink it. If you really have to drink the water, just one handful, not more. So Allah says, فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ Allahu Akbar The bulk of them ended up drinking because they were thirsty. The bulk of them disobeyed. They disobeyed the instruction of Allah, they disobeyed the instruction of this king as well. Talut, Saul. And Allah says, there were very very few left. Now some of the historians make mention of the numbers. They say there were 80,000 to start with. How many do you think drank and disobeyed the leader? It is reported that 76,000 disobeyed. How many left? Four. Now 4,000 are crossing. And when they crossed, there was an army. As they're crossing, this army is watching them. The army of whom? Goliath. Jalut. This man was a huge man. And he was the leader of an army. And he was waiting for these people to fight them. And he used to laugh and scoff because they were so big. Huge people. And this man in particular was very, very big. He created an awe. As soon as people saw him, they were worried and scared. So these 4,000 are looking now at Jalut. And they're looking at the others. And they're saying, oh, we have a problem. قَالُوا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا الْيَوْمَ بِجَالُوتَ وَجُنُودِهِ They said, today we're going to lose. Look, we have no... We only a few thousand here. Look at these people. We have no might to overcome them today. And the response came. قَالَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُ اللَّهِ كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَالَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ These people as they crossed, the ones who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly, and the ones who knew and believed that they are going to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either way, they said, don't you know that so many times a small number has overcome a larger number in terms of army, size of the army. Look at the battle of Badr later on, 313 against how many? 1,000 strong. Who won? Allahu Akbar. So these people, it was their history, that small number who had belief, who had iman, who were powerful in their conviction. And they had sabr, sabr meaning patience, perseverance, forbearance. These were the winners always in the history. You need patience. Because if you don't have patience, you run away. As you're running away, you become a statistic. Because why? They now eliminate one more person and they put it on their numbers. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمَّا بَرَزُوا لِجَالُوتَ وَجُنُودِهِ قَالُوا رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ When it was the beginning of the war, then Jalut came out. In armor, solid armor. And he started laughing at these people, scoffing at 
telling them, this the Quran says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making mention of a dua that is made by the people as this man is laughing and scoffing. The mu'mineen, those who believed, they made a dua. What was the dua? Rabbana, afrigh alayna sabran. Oh Allah, pour upon us patience. Pour upon us patience. Afrigh alayna sabran. Wathabbit aqdamana. And strengthen our feet. Make us steadfast. Make us strong. Wansurna ala al kafirin. And assist us. Grant us victory over the disbelievers. So now, normally what happened is, for the war to start, they needed something to click it. They needed something to start it. It is called a mubaraza, which means they want a one-on-one fight. You bring your best, we bring our best, we see who kills who. So the morale of the rest of them depends on what happens there. So their best was Goliath. He comes up, Jalut. And he is with his sword. And on this side, people are holding back. Everyone looking at each other. Because they are worried. And a young boy, young boy, a shepherd, he comes along, holding a little stick, and holding a sling with five pebbles. And he tells the king, he says, I want to go. What? You want to go forth? And the discussion pursues until they agree. This young boy, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. David, may peace be upon him. This is what the Quran says. He went forth. And as he went forth, Jalut is laughing, the people are laughing, everybody is scoffing and they're saying, look, how can you bring forth a youngster like this? Come on, be realistic. Bring somebody realistic. What is he going to do? And one Hebrew narration says that they tried to put armor on Dawood and he didn't want it because it was too heavy for him. Young boy, he took it all off and says, now nah, I want to go. And one Hebrew narration also says that when the king, and this, when I say Hebrew narration, I mean the Israeli riwayat. We don't know whether they are true or not, but we will hold them and try and understand them and that's it. They do not negate what we are trying to say. So one of those narrations says that when this boy was going forth, the king tells him, how can you go forth? He says, just yesterday I killed a lion that was trying to devour my sheep. And the other day I killed a bear, he says, with my bare hands. Anyway, they let him go. And as he went forth, Jalut is telling him, I'm going to one swipe with the sword and your head will be flicked off. And this man, young boy, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, he puts one of his pebbles and he swings the pebble and he aims at the head of Jalut and it hits him, he drops on the ground, blood gushes out and he's dead. Subhanallah, he's dead. Within a split minute, the man is out on the ground, laying cold, gone. Allah says, وَقَتَلَ دَاوُودُ جَالُوتَ وَآتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْمُلْكَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَعَلَّمَهُ مِمَّا يَشَاءُ Dawood, David killed Goliath. Dawood killed Jalut within a split. And Allah says, we granted Dawood so much after that. He was a strong, steadfast young boy. He did not disobey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine, he did not drink when it came to that river. He did not disobey the commands of Allah. He was an obedient worshiper, obedient to the Nabi, obedient to the king. And he came forth. There is one narration that is also not an Islamic narration. It is an Israeli riwayah that says the king decided to get him married to his own daughter. This king decided to get Dawood married to his own daughter. But Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, he was, his main name was not that. It was to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after that, he became very, very popular. And he was made to lead the armies, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, because of his popularity. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of some of the gifts that were given to Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. One of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُودَ مِنَّا فَضْلًا And we have given Dawood from us some virtue, some grace, some goodness, gifts from Allah. What were the gifts? He was engaging in tasbih, remembering Allah. And suddenly, Allah ordered and instructed the creation around him to engage in tasbih with him. So Allah says, Ya jibalu awibi ma'ahu wa O birds, O mountains, we want you to also engage in tasbih together with Dawood. When he invokes, you invoke. Allahu Akbar. Imagine the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Isbir ala ma yaquluna. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, bear patience regarding the rumors that they are spreading about you. Just bear patience regarding what they are saying. Wadkur abdana Dawooda dal-Aid. Innahu awab. And remember our worshipper Dawood, whom we had granted a lot. Allah subhanahu wa taala says he was oft returning. Innahu awab. He used to. Oft seek forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, Inna sakharna al-jibala ma'ahu yusabbihna bil-ashi wal-ishraq wal-tayra mahshurah kullun lahu awwab. Allah says, We instructed the mountains as well as the birds to be under the authority of Dawood whenever he engaged in tasbih they engaged in tasbih together with him and they were all at his literally beck and call whatever he instructed them they did Dawood alayhi salatu wassalam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَشَدَدْنَا مُلْكَهُ وَآتَيْنَاهُ الْحِكْمَةُ وَفَصْلَ الْخِطَابُ we strengthened his kingdom. We made him a king. Dawood alayhi salam was a nabi and a king. He was not just a king and he was not just a nabi. He was a righteous man. Those pieces of information that are in the Old Testament regarding sins of the Prophet David and the King David, they are unauthentic. We as Muslims believe that the man was a powerful man, very noble slave of the Almighty. He did not engage in the sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. In fact, some of those narrations have seeped into some of our books. Let us be wary of that. None of the messengers chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a bad track record. None of them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us from narrations that come to us from elsewhere. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, وَأَلَنَّا لَهُ الْحَدِيدَ أَنِعْمَ الْسَابِغَاتٍ وَقَدِّرْ فِي السَّرْضِ وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا We have made metal, the steel, soft for Dawood alone. So that he could make from it the armor, Allahu Akbar, and the chains that were required. He could make it with his own hand. One day, Dawood alayhi salam engaging in worship, thanking Allah, Seeking forgiveness of Allah, glorifying Allah, and he is holding some steel, some iron. And as he's holding it, thinking how best he can make armor for the armies, suddenly he notices his thumb is sinking into the iron. Allah says, Ya Dawood, we've given you a gift for you 
the iron will be soft. You are one person, you can carve and make out of any iron piece, whatever you want, for your thumbs, for your fingers, the iron is soft. Allah makes mention of this in the Quran. That was the Prophet David, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Tomorrow inshallah, we continue with him and the beautiful son that he had, Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam. Until then inshallah, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammadin subhanallahi bihamdih, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayki.